Alright everyone, welcome back Software Wise Vlogcast episode number two. And we are joined by once again Matt Berkey, the Dominican flag, our new artwork. <laughs> courtesy of who who made these? Um man, I'm bad. I should have gotten their names. Um The lovely ladies in the Solve for Y group chat? Nope. <laughs> no, they run a booth at, the real? Uh, at the World Series. Okay, so her name was Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, that's racist, man. That's that's like racist against. Eastern I don't know. Europeans I'm just. I'm, some shit. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to develop a character. So somehow I got the donkey side. You got the shark side. That's very nice of you. I like the donkey picture better, to be honest. Well, it's it's more mysterious. This is like an aggro donkey. Yeah. 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 He's he's not here to, to mess around. I've been there. Uh all right. So what did you think of uh episode one? The, the the premiere episode, the new editing style, the new whole thing. Um I I was really happy with it, man. Um I think Conrad and Corey are crushing it considering this is all new for them. Mm-hmm. I, I like the, the structure. It came out the way I had envisioned. You know, with the packages uh, where it kind of flows between podcast and vlog and we're, we're kind of throwing it to these segments. I think this week's going to be pretty dense. There's been a rumor of a new pot, of a new vlog mm. for this year's Maserati. What does that mean? You know what it means. No, I don't know what that means. I'm stealing the Maserati. No, you ain't year. taking that. Yeah, I don't know, man. There's been rumblings of like, bro, we need the new steal of the Maserati, man. You better get a license. I'm just saying, man. That shit's going to be gone. Not enough Conrad doesn't have a license. Yeah, this shit's crazy. All right, so this is going to be a very special uh, vlog cast uh, simply because we are inviting one of our our own onto the podcast. Jordan's going to be closing out this vlog cast uh, with like a pretty kind of like emotional, uh, you know, segment. Yeah, I think we can kind of talk about it a little bit. We we already recorded it. Uh, he was gracious enough to come in earlier today in between tournaments. Um, you know, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Like, I think we were able to talk about some pretty deep topics. Uh, we were able to kind of dive into what he's been up to the past few months, what his plans are moving forward. And I think it's going to be a pretty good listen for everybody. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, all the all the comments were like, oh, where's Jordan and stuff like that. And it was like, it was really nice of him to, like, show up. Kind of like lay it all out there and like kind of see what. Not happens. like Chris K. No, Chris K's gone missing. I don't know where he's at. He's dead, man. He died in the one two streets. I keep telling everybody, <laughs> nobody listens. All right. So the Big 50 finally came to a conclusion, not officially, but for us. Yeah. There's still and like four more days of play left. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's <laughs> in there. Uh, you know, all very deserving participants of sure. the event. Yeah. And what were your overall thoughts? I think the event was a massive success as it pertains to the numbers and, and things like that. Uh, some of the things for me that I didn't really love were the multiple chips for like, you know, yep. obviously nitpicking, but like the multiple chips were like a struggle. I asked some dude like how much he has. He doesn't want to tell me. Sure. He has seven different colors. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, like uh, I don't have to tell you. Right. And I'm right, like, right. his chips are not even in twenties. Like, I'm like, what the hell's going on? This thing's a mess. Uh, you know, that stuff is going to come into play, obviously. But overall, I think that it was a huge event. Made it to the Rio. Is this like the famous steps? 
These are the famous steps. Now I have to show the steps. I wasn't planning on showing the steps. Oh, are you excited? Excited to register? Yeah. Alright, we about to hit day two of this monster stack. This is not monster stack. What the hell is this? Big 50? Big 50. It's the 50? Big 50. It's the 50. Big 50. They delayed the Big 50 for half an hour extra because they need more seats. At least a half hour. We're not sure. We were supposed to start at 5.30. Now we're going to start... No, we were supposed to start at 5. Now we're going to start at 5.30, which means we end 5 30. Like 1. Yeah, but I think it's going to get delayed more. But we're still driving down there because we're suckers. And because we don't want to miss a hand. That's it. I don't I don't ever want to miss a hand. Berkey, he's talented enough that he could miss a couple hands. <laughs> I need to get those good hands. Uh-huh. We just got a phone call from one of my friends. He three bet with ace deuce. Multiway. Yeah. Four ways. Out of squeezing. Out of position. Out of position. And then he made a full house and he was still bluff catching. We might have made a movie about this guy. Catch you later. Now you know why he's broke. <laughs> Alright, we're here at WSOP 50th anniversary. Hello. This is Marley. This is Super High Roller, Matt Berkey. His cushion. Team Marley. Yeah. From Holland. We're in a huge, massive line. Well, we're not in it. Because we made day two. But uh these people are waiting for re-entry to day one. Are we gonna are we what are we gonna do? Alright, Marley's gonna talk to them. Marley's the host. This. Where's this line for? Is this re entry? This is the re entry. Yeah. This is my first entry. Can you get a wait the whole time? I've been here all day waiting in lines. Wow. Pretty much. Wow. Jesus Christ. Dedication. Dedication. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. Good, Marley. Who's next? This is your first bullet? What's your limit? Five hours? Yes. What do you say? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We're moving along on this massive line. 
know what to say. <laughs> Just tell people how, how much you, you appreciate them. I really appreciate you guys. <laughs> This guy's having a blast. I love this guy right now. Wait, is that his spot in line? That's his spot in line. The line continues as we get into this oh. massive, massive. What is happening? What is going on in his head? Are they giving away? Marley, there's no way these people all get in. What pot of gold is at the end of I know. this rainbow? I would say something else. I, I, One I million. There's a break! Wait, huh? We made it! Is that it? Oh, we registered in there? Alright, Marley, we made it to the end of the line. I don't know what the hell just happened. The line just stopped. This is where the line goes. That's re-entry. I feel for the WSOP in some regards. Obviously, like, people aren't going to be very sympathetic to a big business like this. Uh, they're just basically going to say, like, you know, you should have predicted all of these things happening, should have ordered more chips, yada, yada, yada. It's like... You know, we understand a little bit of how the back end works because we have a lot of friends there. Uh, they did their damnedest to accommodate everybody, right? They could have just capped this thing at 25000 which right. they had enough chips for and they had enough seats for and, you know, turned people away. But they're, they're at the top of the game for a reason. They've been around the longest, you know, for decades they didn't have competition. And now suddenly a lot of these other casinos around town who used to piggyback off of them mm. kind of started to take business right they started to hit that sweet spot at that 500 500 to a thousand yeah for sure yeah where all of a sudden like you know the bracelet wasn't the 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 number one concern anymore it was just about where the value could be found yeah so i think that they are innovative once again they just ran the biggest event in history yeah uh and you know we're still turning people away so whether they get a bigger venue or not in the future, I'm unsure. But what I am certain of is that events like this are here to stay and we should take the good with the bad Yeah, and kind of just like understand that, especially as a pro, it, there's nothing more irritating to me than hearing pros complain. Right. Because the amount of EV that is being offered to you just for showing up. Yeah, it's crazy. It's astronomical, mm -hmm. right? It, it's just so much higher than any other event you're going to play out through the course of the year. So it's like, yeah, you have to deal with playing 10-handed. And yeah, you have to deal with you know, these anomalies like multiple chips in play right, and right. long lines and alternates and all that stuff sucks. But like, think about what you're getting in exchange for that for one second. Right. So I, I think, uh, you know, of course, that's all true. I, I think some of the things that could have been slightly done better was uh, simply giving someone a number instead of having them wait in line for five hours. And yeah. It's, you know, similar to Venetian. Yep. And then, like, you know, just tweeted out, you know, alternate number 705. You know, now these people that are recreationals or even pros, like, but especially recreationals, have a more pleasant experience instead of waiting five hours. I completely agree with that. It, it would take more staffing, I think. I, I would assume that that's the biggest challenge that they have. Uh, just year in and year out, they're understaffed. And I know that this is crazy, uh, and I even had like this conversation with a few people with regards to like the dealers and things along those lines. Yeah. They think that like it's just a matter of the World Series choosing not to be overstaffed or properly staffed, whatever the case may be. People don't want these jobs necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's not easy to just go find twelve thousand dealers yeah, yeah. who are very good at their craft Correct. to all show up and work for like you know an okay wage. It's not like they're killing it 
putting in these long hours. And there, there's a lot being asked of them. So, you know, uh, again, like, I'm not trying to sound sympathetic to a large corporation. Of course, there are always going to be things that we can find doing better. But as far as, like, my 16-year poker career, I don't know that the World Series has ever been more inclusive yeah. to the entire community and more available for the every man to win a bracelet. And I made this point on Twitter, and I think it's just a really resounding one that needs to be repeated. The, the, the way a bracelet is coveted has changed. It's not the pros that are sitting around collecting them and, and basically adorning these things, saying that they're the most priceless thing on earth anymore. Right, right. It's the everyman, right? It's, it's Joe Jones from the local VFW who's desperate to win one yeah. So he can wear it to his home game. For sure, for sure. You know sure. what I mean? Like, we're not touting these things. We're not we're not wearing them. We're not putting them up in, in trophy cases or anything along those lines. Unless you're Jason Mercier. He has a trophy case. Yeah, well, he should. <laughs> he has all the trophies. But, yeah, it's like, of course we want to accumulate them. But all we really care about at the end of the day, because we make a living off of this, the is money. the number. Yeah, yeah. The money. Yeah, for sure. In other news, though, I thought the, I thought the cards this year were very good. Like, yeah. I, you know, there, there was a... Uh, a lot of debate last year. The cards suck. Yeah, they're yeah. all getting marked. The cards this year are spectacular. Yeah, they seem yeah. like they're great. I'm pretty sure they're back with Copac. Copac. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure who they were with last year. To be quite honest, I think it was the same. Was it? Yeah. Okay, so they've just improved, which is great. End of the day, we we are a week in, and I've never had such a pleasant experience at the Rio. Well, you're more famous now, bro. It's out of control, bro. I got my first uh, person that asked me for a picture. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I know you get it like five times a day. But for me, I was like, oh, well, that's right, Berkey. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you should have been around to hold the fucking camera. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, it's diff- It's a different experience walking down the halls of the Rio now. Right. Like, in a very, like, warm and welcoming way. It's weird. Like, I don't think people, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, it's weird because, like, the people seem to, like, really enjoy the content and really enjoy our presence and stuff like that. And, and I'm sure that there's people that don't say anything and hate us. But, like, overall, like, most people are very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Like, yeah. Like, unreal. I, I've, I've never felt, like, so a part of something bigger uh, in just, like, a very strange way. Like, I, I still think of myself as, like, sitting down at a table pretty anonymously where, like, the pros are going to know me and most other mm-hmm. people aren't. And it's, it's quite the opposite in a yeah, lot of yeah. instances. Uh, it's, it's a very strange feeling. But, man, it's, like, so nice to know that, like, we're actually making some sort of dent. No, it's crazy. I pulled out the camera, like, like you know, to bag or whatever and, like, you know, film the clock, how many people are left. And the dealer is, like, solve for why. I'm going to check that next vlog. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Nice. <laughs> that's know? awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy, you know? So you want to hear that, something real crazy? Go ahead. I walked through the Rio with Marley. Mm-hmm. Marley. Yeah, Marls. Yeah. Get stopped by a dude. Yeah. Because that makes sense, right? Yeah. He just shrugs her aside and asks for a picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up, bro. That's messed up. All right. Well, she's in the wrong, you know, she's in the wrong business. Uh, all right. So last thing to conclude the Big 50. Do you think logistically it makes sense to do this again? Yeah, I think what's going to happen is one of two things. Either they're going to have a bigger venue that can house more people and they'll stay at the same price point. Or if they stay at the Rio or ultimately switch to a venue that is comparable in size or smaller, uh, they're just going to have to up the price point. So yeah, I think at like somewhere between 1K and 1500, you don't 
end up with like turning people away. But then again, like you also just end up with the millionaire maker if you go to like fifteen hundred or whatever. Right. I, I think like. logistically it seems it seems like they wouldn't want this again. Like, obviously, they want the people, but they run the Colossus every year. It's comparable. Yeah, but the Colossus, is, at least this year, is like significantly smaller. I just think know? that if they have a kickoff event each summer that's marketed the way this one was, uh, they'll continue to have a resounding success and uh, massive monopoly share of the market. Yeah, uh, and I think that they're incentivized to do that. Like. You know, I don't know the numbers, but I'm very confident that the reason the 600 deep stack was so huge wasn't because of the price point. It was, it was almost the, the layover. Yeah, it was almost overflow. certainly because of yeah. the spillover from yeah. from the big 50. Yeah, and you know they're they're just massively incentivized to do that. The 1K turbo, massive. Yeah, right, like bigger than years past. Well, there's a reason for that. Like all these people were in town now to play this collection of events and now they're not going to the Venetian. They're not going to the wind. They're not going to the nugget. Yeah. They're just staying in house at the Rio. And yeah, I, I agree, man. Like that's a logistical nightmare sometimes, but if you're a business keeping butts in your casino is, uh, is pretty highly incentivized after the big 50. Mm, we, you don't get to move on yet. Okay. Where'd you finish? You had a little run. I had, I had a, a baby run. Uh, yeah, I mean, I finished like 400th in something for a nice pat on the back and $4,500 or something. Don't 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 get so dismissive, man. You were in day three with chips. I was you had 50 big blinds on day three. Yeah, I mean, I had it, it was it, it was honestly like really lucky. Like, did they you, switch to hour levels on day three? No. Oh, 50 minutes. You did. You you bubbled it. I bubbled the, the hour level. Yeah, it was uh, after dinner on day three. Sure, thanks. Uh, <laughs> no, but honestly, like, it, it's a different feeling. I feel like more, like, now I just understand, like, my EV in the tournament better. Mm-hmm. Where I'm just, like, before, like, you're just, like, really excited and, like, you're thinking about, like, oh, how, ru- how deep can I run in this tournament and things like that. Now, when I'm there, I'm like, okay, like, I know I'm in a good spot but I know so many things are out of my control and all I can do is just make the decisions. And if this I tournament this stack, I yeah. need to do X, Y, and Z. Exactly. It's like, yeah. I have this stack is worth this much money. Don't blow it. Mm-hmm. Your, your seat here is worth a lot of money. 25,000 people have been eliminated from this thing. Like you're very lucky to be here. Sure. Do your thing. And if you bust, then there's another tournament tomorrow and whatever. Like I got a little unlucky. I ran ace King into ace queen in a spot where he had 15 blinds all the way around. Right. Oh, yeah. I had ace-queen into his ace-king, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, where he had 15 blinds, and I had, like, a pretty close call, and I ended up calling. And then the next hand after that, I had tens into aces for 15 blinds myself, and I'm out of the tournament. Yeah. And now, you know, uh, hopefully Alan Cunningham, you know, shows people that. This is bossing, man. You should just be happy if they say thank you, you know? Congratulations. Yeah, you know, you should just be happy. So – yeah, I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was a good way to start off the series, and I'm, I'm happy for it. it was good. Yeah. Well, how'd you do? I didn't do well. I, right. I, I cashed once, and I busted day busted two. Busted the rest of them? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's whatever. Okay, then after that, the 5K comes in. You get seated next to one of our former students. I had a day, man. Yeah. I busted day two of the big 50, short of the money. Yeah. Came in with, like, 15 bigs. Lose queen jack to ace jack. 
Then I hop in the one K turbo torture, just lose two thirds of my stack level one with ace king versus eights all in pre bounty up for grabs and all Jeez, just sheer and utter torture i'm out luckily there's a 5k day two that can be late regged okay so i hop in that bad boy at two o'clock not a soft tournament like i walked by the field it looked it didn't look easy first time in my life i looked at the chip counts and actually it was just like i wonder how much i'm giving up here in a situation where Dan Smith has 10 starting stacks right. and is chip leading, and I'm going to be coming in with 25 blinds. And I just decided, variance, bro. <laughs> Fuck it. So That's sure right. enough, I drew Dan's table. Of course. <laughs> He's two to my right. Um, and I, it was actually really enjoyable playing with Dan. I, I like Dan a lot. Um, I probably haven't gotten a chance to talk to him as much as uh, I should have considering how – how long we've been in the game together and how much we've actually played. Yeah. We used to play 10, 20, 40 Bellagio a fair amount, but you know, I'm not one for making friends at the table too often. Yeah. Um, Political Berkey. Yeah. And, uh, Olivia Biscay also late reg took my left. Um, so, you know, not a soft table at all, but directly on my left was one Christina, AKA Maria McAppelin. Sure. Sure. We'll go with it. Uh, one of our students from, uh, software Academy. She's actually attended both the MTT and the cash. Yeah. Little shocked to see her there. Yeah. I think her average buy-in for tournaments up until that point was like 500 bucks. For sure. So she's 10x her average buy-in. Really feeling herself. But Just, she, you know, she's been very confident. She walked in. I saw her looking through King's room. Yeah. While I'm playing 510, start, trying to start a 1025 game. Yeah. And I'm like, what? She'll dabble in bigger cash. But right. like, I think, so she cashed the big 50. And said that she was feeling really good about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so she just like fired the 5K. Because like she was only in town for a few more days. Wanted to give it a shot. Strong. Yeah. And then like by the time I made it to her table, she kind of like whispered to me. And she goes, can I get my money back? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Because like, I mean, you know, she was in a good situation. She had 90K. I think blinds started at, uh, let's see, I came in with 30. So blinds were probably like 612. Okay. So she had a good stack to start the day. Three X starting already. Yeah, but you know, like we didn't have a soft table. It was me, Olivier, Dan with the chip lead. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, your that typical alone. five. Yeah, your yeah. typical five K table. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she held her own. There was uh, a couple moments of panic that I helped walk her through a little bit, where it was just like, chill, just you know, remember your incentives, kind of just understand. She got a big double before before the bubble with uh, eights versus ace queen. And uh, that, that propelled her. Yeah. Yeah. It led her right into a spot I, I'm very envious of. Yeah. So she ends up making the 5K final table mm. and effectively gets railed by, you know, the soft white conglomerate of uh, myself, Conrad, Matt Hunt, all there, like showing support. I couldn't do it. Yeah. You were, you were pissed. I bubbled. You bubbled. Mm -hmm. How'd you bubble? It's close, man. I, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, uh, this was probably a mistake, but I, I honestly am not entirely positive. So I had Chewy at my table who had like eight blinds. We're two out of the money. Okay. Um, a guy to my right had 12 blinds or 11 blinds, something in that neighborhood. And Marmolstein had somewhere between 12 and 15 bigs. Okay. That's just my table. Right. So there's seven tables left. Certainly there are shorter stacks right, right, right. than sure. me who has 17 blinds. So, you know, I'm obviously just, like, in a good position to cash. 
Correct. But I also recognize that like the average stack at this point is like 45 blinds. And the bubble is going to take some time. A while. So, yeah. like, yeah, I'm not exactly, like, looking to pass on spots either because if I just try to, like, fold my way into the money, I'm going to do so and have, like, a six Obliterated. Stack. Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to be demolished and have no shot at winning this thing. Um, so, what ends up happening is uh, the 12-line stack to my right jams the uh, jams from middle position, and I'm in the low jack with ace-queen off. Mm. And it's two-thirds of my stack, but, like... Do you think he's jamming, like, pretty wide there? I... So he just came straight from the short deck final table, uh, and was mac- he was the last late register, which by the way, uh, when he got in, we were seventeen out of the money. That's pretty wild. And he came in with fourteen blinds. That's, That's pretty a good spot. Good spot. It's a good spot. Yeah, uh, and he got so lucky. First hand he gets dealt, or sorry, the second hand he gets dealt. Uh, he gets kings, and open rips, and I'm in the small blind with jacks. Oh yeah. He's in the cut. I'm in the small blind. Just call yeah, Jack course. right in the door. Ooh. King right behind. Uh, <laughs> wreck. Um, but, yeah, so he opened rips. And, you know, I'm probably just supposed to fold because I don't know that calling off with ace-queen right. is great. Even on, if on he the is, bubble. Yeah, even if he is shoving ace-jack. On the bubble, it's close. <sighs> like, he might not even be shoving, like, ace-jack offsuit that often. It's close. It's tough to know. He yeah. was definitely very aggro. Like, he had gotten up to 12 lines shoving. But... You know, again, like, it's difficult to know. I, I think it's For close. Sure. I think Ace-King probably isn't that close. I, I think Ace-King has to go. Yeah. yeah. So I reshove, and Big Blind wakes up with Ace-King. Uh, the original jammer has eights and actually triples up by just holding. Uh, right. My Ace-Queen goes unimproved, and I lose to the to the other stack, so sends me so to the So now we're crippled. Yeah. We're, no, we're out. No, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Crippled I could have lived with. Six right. lines, I could, I could at just, least have a fighting shot. Right. That's annoying. Yeah. So, we end up seeing one of our one of our uh, students make a pretty tough final. Uh, you know, I looked at her table. I was like, "Well, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to fight." It was Maria Ho, Shannon Shore, Ali, fucking Deoxy, Deoxy, who at this point we already know won the bracelet. Mm-hmm. And some other really aggressive players. So she ends up taking seventh, which was like almost 50k, 10x her buy-in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. Like, I think we've seen a lot of success from people that came through the MTT Academy and have just, like, found success right away, like, pretty quickly. Yeah, I like, mean. we had Nick last year who came to the MTT Academy. Won the Golden Nugget for 200K. Yeah, wins yeah. the Golden Nugget. Yeah. Christina slash Maria ends up, like, final tabling the 5K. Mm-hmm. Hunt, who obviously is not. He's anything. not a student, but, like, student, you know, we, we want to take a little like, bit of credit. You know, like, you know, we showed him a little bit of the live ropes. Sure. You know, before sure. he was a, a, a straight killer. He had a, but he had a huge summer last yeah, year. Yeah, he had a huge summer last year and, you know, made a, a final table as well. So I, I feel like the MTT Academy is, like, uh, a pretty resounding success in terms of, like, results immediate. And it's nice to see that because you don't necessarily get to see that for cash. Right, uh, you know, there's no well, like we can't, we can't boast about it, right? Right. Somebody, somebody like wins five x their, they're buying in a cash right. game. It's like, so what? Correct, correct. That stuff happens all the time. Show me the swings. Correct. You know. Yeah. And and you know, let's call a spade a spade. Like, there's a lot of variance involved in this. Oh, for sure. There are probably a lot of very good players who have come through the MTT Academy that haven't had results yet. Right. That doesn't mean anything. Right. Um. And you know, uh, comparing like Nicholas to Christina, Nicholas is very polished. Mm-hmm. He's he's been professional for years. That 200k score wasn't shocking at all. He demonstrated. But what what they do have in common is they both actually won their tables during the MTT Academy. Mm. 
So Which you win your table, you win. I mean, it basically means Johnny Vibes is going to win a bracelet. Locked up. Locked for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think Christina would be very quick to admit that, like, you know, she's still very new to poker. Uh, the MTT Academy, even in its uh, simplest form, was still, like, a lot for her to undertake. And yeah. I, I think that was reflective in the interview that she gave for Poker News and things like that. So I'm certainly not here trying to dismiss – uh, variants and like all of the good fortune things that had to happen. I want to talk order. about our interview. I need okay, to, go ahead. I, I need to. I need. I need an investigation of this. All right, good. So, in her interview, she says that the person she was dating at some point mm-hmm. said that she took very long to answer questions. Right. So she should have played poker. So she picked up the game. What? What? What does that mean? So, not, so, so if your if your girlfriend goes. You take really long to answer questions. You should play poker. Right. What? What? I, I don't really see the parallel. I mean, unless, like, he's implying that uh, she's a thoughtful liar, a.k.a. bluffer. Damn. <laughs> well, I mean, like. I was just, I don't know. I don't see the correlation between uh, between taking a long time Duration to answer. Duration of answer to poker. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, but hey, who gives a shit? Nah, I need to know. If you're in the comment section and you have a theory behind this, or if you've ever questioned your mate on the duration of the answers that they give and you think that equates to something, let us know. Because I need to know. I, I need know. to know. I, I honestly don't. I don't get it. Uh, but she should thank that guy. Because wherever he is. 50K. Yeah. That's a lot of money. 50K because he knew five something. Bricks. He knew something that she didn't know. Uh-huh. And now she's at the final table with Ali. Yeah, true story. All right. So one of the things that like we're pretty big on, as it pertains to like MTT play, and honestly, one of the things I struggle with the most because like I I like you got that talent, man, bro. I like to go hard. Like I uh, I don't like these guys, man. You're a fighter. I just I can't hold back sometimes. And then you know, I was, know I was watching Ali, and I'm like, all right, this kid's like the best in the world, right? He's the final table. He's like second or third. There's seven people left. He opens. Shannon Shore three bets. He four bets huge. Shows him the deuce. And I'm like, yeah, that's how I play. Yeah, in the streets. That's how I play. That's how I live my life. That's how I was taught to play by you. Mm -hmm. So then today in the shootout, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm fucking inspired. This fucking, let's go. Right? Open the cutoff with the ace jack offsuit fucking kid on the button with a run it up shirt three bets i'm like no way no fucking way <laughs> showers guy cold calls i'm like this is a dream spot and cash guy cold calls you yeah. think this is a dream spot <laughs> he cold called his what did that guy look like tell me all right he was like 50 years old <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah tell me more about this dream spot <laughs> he was like 50 years old he had a polo on mm-hmm. fresh was, off the golf course yeah probably i think he was like fresh off like the bay area he was like he was like, you think he showed up to fold? I mean, he was a little bit shook. I, I don't know. I just felt like he was shook. Or at least my mind was like. Sounds I, like he came to fuck. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, he cold called. So, I mean, <laughs> so then I'm like, yeah, a thousand call 5,200, like bang, snap fold. And he's like, ah, call. You got, you got half the equation, right? At least. Right. No, I knew this guy was full of shit. Yeah. I know that. I know the real hand yeah, is yeah. over there. Yeah. Right. Right. right but right. it's not like, it's not Kings. No. It's just like, you know, it was like maybe Jacks, but I blocked Jacks. So it's probably like tens, Queens, Queens, 
ace king, ace queen, king queen suited. Something king like, queen suited? Yeah. This man's 50 in a polo. King queen suited is a nice hand. He had all these chips still. Mm. We just started the tournament. Okay, 25,000. Okay. So he calls the, the like 52 or 5,500, whatever. Flop's like 963. And I'm like, all right, well, dream. I'm like, I have all the overpairs, you know? So, like, I didn't want to, like, I don't know. I probably could have down bet, up bet, or whatever. Yeah. But I just, like, said, all right, I'm just going to go for the neck. And I just, like, put put him in. Yeah, top and he, set. No, he had set it. To, I mean, he had effectively could have been a set, whatever. <laughs> he had a slight overpair. <laughs> slight. <laughs> yeah, tens. Ah, uh, okay. And I'm like, okay, I'll. You know, he called, and I was I was pretty happy to see tens and not queens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just I mean, like, well, the jack is live. Sure. Yeah, I just break, break, and I'm out. And I'm like, I could have just folded my hand to the three bet, mm-hmm. played against these players all to my right in position yep. for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm way better than them. Who's your right? Shots fired. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, I mean, I thought... Talk was, about it, man. Who's your right? No, like, you know, Ke- Kelly Rubinkin was on my right. Nothing yeah. against her. Nothing against oh, her. She was... Kelly. Yeah, nothing against her. She goes hard. She goes hard. She, under the gun opens. She three bets. King, Jack, offsuit under the gun one. You know, finds a straight. I four bet ace, Jack, offsuit against cap three angels. I find nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like... Oh, man, that entitlement you know? suits you, kid. Ah, I get it. I get it. But anyway, my point is... Notice how one bust out just changes your whole fucking perception. What was the first thing I said to you when you when you text me the hand? It was unnecessary. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. It's wild. Yeah, it was wild. Like, I, I effectively just like lost vision of like my incentive. My incentive is just play like small pots, like level one, like whatever, man. Like I'm, I'll, my future skill edge is like really high in this situation. Yeah. You know. Uh. So one of the it's things. It's pretty that, hard to win a shootout in level one. Yeah, but if you get. Double starting stack, you're nice. Because yeah. then you could just raise a lot. You know? well, yeah, but like, you know, you have 250 bigs to start the tournament. You yeah. can just raise a lot anyway. For sure, for sure. I mean, and I was. I thought I was doing really well uh, prior to that hand. Like, the hand's completely necessary. Yeah. But anyway, what I'm saying is that just brings context into, like, what my larger point is, is that especially for us, you know, if we think we have a big edge mm-hmm. in these tournaments, like, the main thing or at least one of the main factors is to keep yourself in the tournament. You oh, know, your ass in a seat yeah. is worth so much more than any one specific chip stack. Right. Right. Like if you had the choice between always having your ass in the seat or being chip leader, 10% of the time, you better damn well choose always having your ass in a seat. Right. Right. Because like, you're just being involved in the tournament. The accumulation yeah. of, of just 100% of the time being there mm. will result in An you eventual. being chip leader at least 10% of the time anyway. Correct. And all these other varying stack depths that are going to result in money. Correct. Correct. Yeah, so that's something I, I'm, like, really trying to hone in on, uh, especially, you know, early on in the summer. Like, I know, like, it's something I struggle with the most uh, where it's, like, I see spots and I'm just, like, oh, I could just, like, take this spot. Mm-hmm. No, but I feel like in the big 50, I really didn't do that. I was just like really focused on like, okay, like that's because it's you know. really apparent how yeah. much your seat's worth. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Right. In a shootout, it's like, oh, I have to win this table. Right. So I'm just like going hard because yeah. I know I have to win this table. Yeah. So it's like, it was easy for me to lose sight of that. But, you know, now going back into the million to maker tomorrow, it's like, well, I understand again, like first place a million dollars, like you have to be in this tournament. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's something that I think we speak about a lot. So it, it was just like something I wanted to bring up to see like your take on it. 
and like what do you do to like check yourself kind of it's funny man like i'm so good about this in the early stages mm. like my level of patience uh when you know being in the tournament the most probably matters like that phase one where like there's just no incentive to play hands right the blinds are very small the andes may not even have kicked in yet uh you're just you're just there to chill and like earn ev just by being in your seat it's like i'm pretty good about like just playing the role there mm -hmm. and just having a good time and like you know just trying to accumulate through natural avenues in the past i struggled the most there because there was a cash game down the street right. that i was anticipating being in and like you know it's just harder to get those seats now and uh wh whatever the case may be i just understand a lot more about tournaments where not necessarily my anxiety kicks in but where i'm probably too loose with my standards is exactly like how i busted the 5k like right i have to cash there right you know it's like it should be some unforeseeable event that busts me and I just don't think this qualifies. Yeah. Like, it's close enough that I'm unsure. And if that's the case, then, like, it's a hard pass. Correct. Because I'm definitely never too conservative. Right? So if it's a boundary case, then it's probably a layup fold. Right. And whatever I think is, like, not that close is probably where the line actually lies. Yeah. That's fair. I, I just, yeah. For me, it's like once, once I get close to to the idea of like really closing something out. I think that like sometimes I just lose sight of the long term because I'm so close to achieving it already. That makes sense. Where it's so, like, you know, we're 12 hours away from winning this tournament. So sometimes when I bust, you know, I don't like, I don't like the feeling of busting. <laughs> so, so funny, man. We literally <laughs> had this conversation on last week's podcast. All right, go on. Would tell the people what you did. I ate a burger. <laughs> I, I, I ate a burger. Wait, so, wait, wait. All I right. busted the 50. All right, wait, Go wait. Ahead. Let, let me set the stage a little bit. Oh, you want to set the stage? I think this is important. Okay. Right? So it's 11 p.m. I had my dinner at like 6. We're on, we're on the final break of the big 50, day one. Mm -hmm. You and I both have some chips. Not piles, but, you know, we're, we're in there. We're fighting. We have like 24 bigs. Mm. Day two is important. Mm. I'm like, man, I am hungry. And you're like, nah, man, don't do it. <laughs> Drink some water. We're doing shit that other people aren't doing. We're <laughs> fasting. We're fighting. We're in the gym. We're disciplined. That's true. And I'm like, yeah. You're right. Yeah, we are. You're right. I bought two waters. Mm -hmm. I drank them. Mm -hmm. I went there and I folded. I limp folded <laughs> nines off 19 big blinds because it was goddamn right to do. It was right. Because you told me we were in there to fight another day. And we were there. We were there. We were fighting. Go ahead, go on. And then you busted. I busted the 50. Oh, that was the, the first bust. Mm. Yeah, I didn't like that. And then what happened? All right, so then I went to... My friend was there, Oscar, who you guys all know by now. Wait, wait. Go ahead. What? I offered you a ride home. Or actually, we both busted that night. I still busted. We busted that night, but... We busted like 10 minutes apart. What was that? Well, I, had, I had a reason to stay for a son. Yeah, you wanted to get a fucking burger. Yeah, I was hungry. Uh... <laughs> I was I didn't I was annoyed. I I limped. I also had nines, <laughs> and I limped, and I had, like, had been battling all day. I limped uh, nines. The guy opened, and I just like smashed. Uh, and he called with ace queen offsuit for like thirty, which is crazy. 
and um, whatever. He hit a straight on the river. And I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. I was annoyed. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I just played all day. Like, I was playing well. Yeah, like, and then I was just like, uh, you wanted to give me a ride? I was like, nah, like, I'm going to stick around and, like, either late rage or something. And then uh, my boy Oscar was like, yeah, let's go get some food. And I was like, and I knew it already. Like, I knew I was going to break, you know? I knew you were. Like, the second I was like, I'm still in the Rio parking lot. Do you want a ride? And you're like, yeah. no, I'm going to get my diamond card and I'm going to Oh, gonna do that's this. what I needed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm like, yeah. all right, chin, so, you have to something shady. Yeah, so I already knew. I was like, I'm definitely going to break tonight. So I should have. I should have definitely just went home. Uh, so I ended up getting, like, this thing called a cowboy burger. All you out there that know what it is, it's a fucking burger with an onion ring in it. Mm. Uh, it was great. Fried onion. Of course it's fried. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was a great burger. Um, it catapulted me to the 400th place. I don't know no. if it <laughs> that's That's not how this story ends. <laughs> so the next morning, I wake up, and I see Oscar. And yeah. you're already gone. You're, you're like, going to Reg. Yeah, the the big fifty one C. Oh man, I was so pissed at you. Go ahead, go ahead. And uh, I see Oscar, and I'm like, "Yo, what time did you guys get home last night?" He goes, "I mean, after we ate, like four o'clock." And mm. I just look at him. I go, "You ate, did ya?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go, "What chin have?" He's a fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late, man. He knew I knew. I go, "What did chin have?" He goes, "I don't want to." I don't want to dime out or anything. I'm like, Bro. what do you have? He goes, he had a burger with the bun. <laughs> fucking rat. Dude, you should have saw my text thread with him. It was just photos of rats. <laughs> like, just rat and rat and rat. Like, just rats all over the place. Just for for infinite length. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously, uh, you go reg. You know, there's nothing really going on. You're waiting to, to be an alternate, like, eight hours later, whatever mm. the case may be. And, you know, we got a busy fucking summer. We got work yeah, yeah, to do. Yeah. We, got, we got vlogs to film, all this other stuff. And what did I say last week happens whenever you're a little emotional? Yeah, you said to play cash. <laughs> What'd you do? I was playing 510 at the Kings room. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but I did get in the tournament. No, yeah, you did. So it you was, didn't do anything wrong. Right. It was just so predictable. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean... It, it was a weird spot. Like, I wanted to play the tournament. I know. But then I, I wasn't available. I wasn't allowed to play the tournament. There was, like, a massive amount of line. I'm trying to get in, you know, trying to, like, you know, work the game of, of getting in. And whatever. Like, these three freaking guys want to play 510. And I'm like, well, dude, what do I do? You know, like, do I go home? Whatever. Um, so I ended up playing 510 and then eventually get in the tournament. But. No, you didn't even get, you didn't play the I tournament. I didn't play the tournament night. that day, right? No, because you were weird. too tilted because you were losing in a well heavy game. Yeah, yeah. It was so annoying, dude. Yeah, I, I just think yeah. like, you know, there there's a bigger discussion to be had here that uh it's not a comfortable one, but it's certainly one that we're all we all have our own little like underlying sabotages, right? And yeah, and yeah. like when people are close to you, they're really apparent. To that group of people. Yeah, for sure. Where it may just be a total oversight for you personally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. I, <laughs> I'm not looking for confirmation. I'm just kind of like saying like, uh, well, it, it is hard for me to understand because I, I come from a totally different background. I have a totally different 
mindset than you. Like we don't fail in the same ways, mm. right? My self-sabotage comes in ways where like, or at least in the past, it comes in scenarios where like uh, responsibilities become mounting and you know, you, you get on the precipice of either achieving something great or regressing to the mean. Yeah. And in a lot of instances in the past, I would do things that were like harmful in nature to shoot myself in the foot to ensure that I regress to the mean. Right. Right. I would, I would prevent myself from, from mass success because I just didn't want the, the responsibility that came along with it. For you, I think it's like quite different in the way that like, you know, again, like my background is different. I come from like a very hard nose, like discipline wins kind of mindset, right? The, that athletic background. But like for you, like the the sabotage comes in a way to giving into your conveniences. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like I was just hungry and I was like, well, I could either make eggs or not eat or I could just go have this burger. Right. You know, and I was like, I feel like shit. I fucking busted and played this tournament. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'll just go have a burger with my friend. Uh, and, and you know, you excuse it because you're having a, you're, uh, a burger with your friend, right, you right, know? right? So you're having a conversation with your friend or whatever. Sure. But like at the back of your mind, you know, you shouldn't be having this burger. Right. And, and even like, even like the, the choosing to play cash, uh, you know, we, the choosing to play cash, I, I deem a lot more forgivable than the burger. In isolation, Only because of the in isolation. Yeah. Sure. But in, in, uh, a coupling effect with the other things that right, are going right, on. Right, right. I think it's just another way to like act out personally. Well, effectively, like if I didn't have the burger and I was just in a very like, just like, okay, like I'm literally I have just, time to kill. I have time to kill. And this yeah. is like high EV spot. Yeah. Like fine. But like the fact that I busted the tournament, had the burger, then played cash. Right. It's like a bad event. So like yeah. I see it all very differently in the sense of like where the justifications come from. So like with the burger, it's a social thing, right? Mm. With the cash, it's a profit thing. Like right. it's an EV thing, right? With, uh, missing the gym or being late to the gym it's a sleep thing but the actual fact of the matter is all of that revol revolves around like uh, a certain sense of immediate gratification right where it's like i'm feeling lack uh, i feel like i'm lacking in one of these areas so i'm going to fulfill it immediately like i'm hungry therefore i'm going to lean on the social element of eating and i'm going to eat right right you could always find some sort of like yeah, I'm uh, the, parallel yeah, yeah. To, like i'm to not that. winning enough in tournaments so therefore i'm going to find this really juicy game and justify playing cash the game found me man sure the game sometimes the ghetto picks you <laughs> you know the hood I you, hear you, you man. can't pick the hood the hood picks you i guess what i'm saying is like uh the way that i look at it from like a discipline standpoint is is not what do i gain in the short run right but what do i sacrifice in the short run while gaining something in the long run correct yeah and i think that's there's always of, an exchange I, and that's kind of how like i've started building a little bit more discipline in terms of my food intake is simply like what do i like if I sacrifice not eating this, what do I gain in the long term? Yeah. And if I eat this, what do I regress to in the short term? Yeah. Know? And I think it's hard to keep the yeah. big picture mindset. I even said it today. Like, uh, you know, you came to the gym, you slept in, you missed a little bit of the first half, and then you left early to go register the, the 1500 shootout. And it's like, all of that makes reasonable sense. You were tired, so you slept and you wanted to ensure you didn't get shut out. So you went to reg, right? But in the grand scope of things, like my perspective was, Fuck, man, if I were trying to lose weight and get in shape, like neither of those things would ever take priority, right? The, the main priority would be this 90-minute window mm. that I'm spending at the gym. And then the secondary priority would be the things that revolve around my other main priorities, right? So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to advocate that the gym is life. right? That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for that 90 minutes. Meanwhile, your shirt says the gym on it. That's right. 
<laughs> Shout out Rob Martinez at the gym. Um, but yeah, like what I'm just saying is like that block of time is allocated to the gym being number one priority, right? And then on the outskirts of that time, before that, before that block of time, the priority is sleep. After that block of time, the priority is playing, right? Right, right. And like now you just look at it as like, okay, can I sacrifice a little bit of sleep to make the gym? Can I sacrifice uh, signing up and missing a couple of hands of the shootout in order to complete my workout? Yeah, I think that's fair, especially if – so it was one of those things that I read today on like Nick, Nick Howard's uh, Instagram, which I thought was like pretty interesting. So – He's saying it's interesting how like everyone with like two minutes or one minute left to the tournament clock just starts running. Right. As if like a desperation thing of yeah. like missing one, missing one hand will somehow like alter their future. Yeah. yeah alter yeah. the future of everything where like, but like missing, like effectively it's an exchange of like anxiety slash calmness uh, exchange mm-hmm. where like you're rushing to the thing and like, putting your 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 mind at stress for for nothing right right, right. Uh, the ev that you're actually acquiring by ensuring that you're there absolutely on time right isn't worth the exchange of anxiety that you endure in right. order to go through that process correct bro i've been on this for a long time man i show up late to day twos <laughs> you showed up late to yeah a day two where you're the chip leader you're just like yeah i mean i just have more chips now that i can spare um <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> Like, look, I, I, I'm not advocating showing up late to these types of things. What I am saying is that, like, I definitely wholeheartedly agree. If you have to use the restroom mid-level, go, mm. right? Like, just go. What do you think the EV of one hand is ever in an event? Unless right. you're, like, you're at the final table. Like, well, Ali not different. being there for the final table today that actually wild. got Maria a pay jump. Well, that's wild. Yeah. Like, missing a 5K final table. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for the kid. Uh, obviously, he's very talented, very good top tier but i mean it's a 5k wsop final i mean maybe when you're a high roller i don't know we also don't know why he wasn't there yeah yeah for sure for sure we definitely can't speak for him it just you know maria very very thankfully very lucky very lucky for those who didn't get to see it she open ripped uh ace jack fifth in chips with six remaining uh and ali was missing and had queens right uh so that shove got through allowing her to withstand and then the short stack ultimately busted with king five versus tens very nice very nice all right so the millionaire maker is next yep moving into the second weekend Mm -hmm. of the world series how many weekends is it five five i think yeah so moving into the second weekend i think that i mean i'm just looking forward to the millionaire maker i don't know what's your experience been like in this tournament last year this was the tournament of my ace four off hand. Ah, uh, this so, was just last year. The ace four off, yeah. Yeah. Last year. yeah. Oh man, what an epic hand! Yeah. So for those of you that don't know the ace four off hand, it's it's probably one of these vlogs. Insert clip now. Wow! Holy cow! Cut off open small blind three bets, and I have ace four off suit. Sometime probably day two at some point. Definitely in the money already. I think. And I just like smash it. Holy for like 30 for like 30 probably. And you know, I thought the guy was just three betting the button versus the cutoff. And you know, he didn't, he just had aces, you know? <laughs> uh, so the funny part is if you did it with King Queen, I wouldn't care. 
I would care. I, I think that it's like, I should just fold, man. Yeah, it's unnecessary like, for sure. It's just like, it, it's one of those things where like, yeah, I agree. Ace four off. Like I'm actually blocking his bluffs in that situation. Yeah. Uh, if we want to talk like more strategy, but yeah, I agree. King queen off is, would have been a better candidate, but uh, well, at know, least it, there's also an onus to want to play King queen in that spot. Right. Like it's a profitable continue. Yeah. Where ace four off is just dust. It's just trash. Yeah. I do this a lot. It's my main struggle in tournaments. It's, all the tournament successes I've had, I literally have never done anything out of line. Right. And I just, the tournaments, like, whatever, I'll get out of line in, like, really obvious spots. Where yeah. it's like, okay, this is like, the, like, it's like Noah or whatever. Like, wait, is Noah the one? Moses? Moses. Yeah. What's the one Part where, the like, Red the, Sea? Yeah. Yeah, like, Moses. Okay, so Moses, sorry, Catholics. Um, <laughs> where, like, the sea just parts and you know that this is the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that I bust my tournament, I'm like, mm, you know, it's like, it's pretty close. I think he's full of shit. All in. He's like, <laughs> I call. I'm like, all right. Um, so maybe that's, uh, maybe that's. Noah's the arc. Sorry. Yeah. That. Maybe that's coming full circle to uh, like when you want the immediate gratification, right? All right. We're going back to the shit. Well, I'm just saying it's one of those things where it's like you, you play talentless poker for right. days on end. Yeah. Right. And like, let's call a spade a spade. Like as far as like actual quote unquote poker being played right, is. Right. There, there isn't really a lot of talent taking place, right? Agreed. But as far as like tournament strategy goes, there's a ton of talent in order to ensure that you don't do these types of things. Oh, for sure. Like most of the talent is not inserting your talent. Like it literally is that simple. Right. Like it's right. like being patient, folding, getting ace queen offsuit folding to the raise of the three bet. Right. And it's like, it's, it's yeah. It pick, picking your spots very appropriately. All right. So now that we're not talking about talent or anything like that, this is, is going to be an interesting segment. I, I think that I really enjoyed this segment that we recorded earlier today. Mm -hmm. What are your overarching ideas as it pertains to like what you kind of thought about this segment? Well, it was, it was one that I think like everybody involved wanted to figure out the best way to, to put it out there. Uh, you know, for those who are unaware, Jordan took a step back from Solve for Why. He's been uh, putting a bigger emphasis on his own poker game. Uh, you know, basically just trying to put his best foot forward moving, moving uh, in a different direction. And obviously, we're super supportive of that. Uh, you know, the, the whole aspect of a startup amongst friends right. who have absolutely no business experience whatsoever. Yeah. It's a pretty big ask to assume that just everybody's going to make it to the finish line. So I think that like it was very critical for us to find a way to uh, get this out in the open and you know just explain how one of the founders isn't going to be a part of this in a big picture kind of way. Correct, correct. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was one of those segments where, you know, it took a lot of courage uh, to sit here and kind of like expel all the all the things that were going on and and really just like put yourself out there and be vulnerable and kind of say like you know all the things that people went through and i'm sure that other people listening to this either have gone through things similar or know someone that did uh close to them so with that said here's jordan's segment all right this is episode number two and we are joined by jack six of clubs himself Mr. Jai Master 11, straight from Michigan, straight from the woods, straight from Dominican Republic, straight from the WSOP Rio, straight from Venetian, and now at the Solve for Why headquarters. How are you doing? Straight from the YouTube comments, how are you doing? 
I mean, I'm doing pretty well, but I cannot compete with that. So that uh, was literally I mean, my reaction. That I, I don't know what to say. When we did this the first time, he went off. Like the, and ki- oh, the kids off the chain. They just cut to me, and I go, I can't compete with that. What do I say? What else you got? You got more fire? Nah, man. Like that's it. The, the, I mean, the show started. That was, like, <laughs> like, the show already started. Like you can't you can't go back to the original okay, opening well, of the show. Strong amounts of fire right there. <laughs> well, what? so I've been. Uh, I watched. You know, we always go and like watch the episode we watched the episode i saw the comments it was it was full of where's jordan young does jordan young play poker is jordan young dead is, is what's happening where's chris convalenka yeah where's chris convalenka <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 talk about that another another podcast stay tuned chris is on episode six yeah uh, probably actually uh so you know we opened the doors the doors are always open here for you and we decided to uh have you on to answer all these questions so Tell people like what you've been up to, kind of like where have you been? Why haven't you been in front of the camera? Yeah. And kind of start that whole conversation rolling. Yeah. So along with the YouTube comments, um, I'm at the Rio every day. I get roughly eight to 10 of those same questions. So about two months ago, I packed up my car and I headed back to Michigan where I'm originally from. My family's back there. Um, it was simply the best decision for me and for the company as a whole too. Uh, basically, I've had a rough six, nine, 12 months, somewhere in that area, and it was progressively getting worse. And what I mean by bad is uh, I was starting to feel a way that I had never felt in my life before, and it was depression. Um, flat out, I was depressed and I was coming to the office. I was not a pleasant person to be around. I did not know that. And let me take that back. I sort of knew that, but I didn't know to the extent that it was happening until I removed myself from the situation and started to make strides forward of feeling better. Um, you know, this stuff is hard. It's stressful, day in and day out. I so how it, did that how did that feel for you? Like it, you're around uh, us, yeah. and then but like you don't notice, and then you you go to Michigan for two months. How how did that reflection uh, occur? Well, I think a decision was made by the team and me individually that was benefiting all parties because I have talked to you guys about this a little bit and I was, I was saying that I would come to the office, I'd be in front of my computer for four hours and you sat right next to me, you saw it, I would complete 15 minutes of work. Sure. And it was like a fog in my brain that I, it, it's so hard to explain this type of stuff. Sure. Because it's not talked about, we're not taught about it. Um, I just couldn't think, I couldn't focus, I couldn't, my memory was, sh- my memory for the past six months is so bad. And a lot of it, most of it has to do with, you know, I was just depressed. Yeah. So as far as like uh, making the decision to go back to Michigan, I, I know you and I spoke about this a lot uh, 
for those who aren't privy to your background and everything else, like you're really, really close to your family. Super close. Yeah. And I know like the conversation we had is just like, Hey man, I know you're not right. You need to be in an environment that's super loving and supporting. Mm -hmm. Seems like now prior to the series, best time to get the hell out of here. Yeah. We had that conversation on a Saturday. I came up here and it was a month leading up to that was me not attempting to let the team down, but me very consistently doing so. And while it had to be frustrating as all hell for you guys, it was killing me as well. And resentment had to have been brewing on all sides. It, it just like, it's, it had to have. It'd be crazy if it wasn't. And, you know, I didn't want that. You guys didn't want that. I came in here on a Saturday. I had a one-on-one -on -one discussion with Burke. And he said to me, uh, what would it take for you to go home for two months before the series started? Right. And I said, well, I mean, I have a bunch of content I need to get out. I can't, and like financially, it would be really tough. And he said, well, how much would it cost? I said, I don't know. It'd probably cost me about 10,000 bucks to go home for two months. He said, don't worry about the content. He grabbed his backpack and threw me 10K. That's a good friend. And I, you know, I went home and so let's talk uh, about like you going home. Like, so you get yeah. home. My parents don't know I'm coming. Your parents don't know you're coming. You get home. You have this like black cloud pretty much like over you. Mm -hmm. And what happens next? So my parents were in Mexico when I was making the drive home from Vegas to Michigan. I didn't want to tell them for the specific reason of they were on vacation. I wanted them to enjoy their vacation. They're both teachers. They get to go on a vacation once a year, if they're lucky. And, you know, they were, I wanted them to have a blast. So I drive home, I get home a day before they were coming back. Um, and my mom walks up the steps and sees Dugan in the front door. And she's just like, what? Like, how's he here? Right. She walks in. And she knew, how, she knew why I was home already. About a month prior, we had a three-hour conversation on the phone, and she was, you know, concerned. Um, you know, like, I, it was never to the point where any self-harm or anything like that was ever even in the question. So, like, I mean, I'd rather just say that just so people know. I was just sad. Uh, I, th I think that kind of speaks to the level at which uh, depression just isn't spoken about to where whenever you say like your mom was concerned at the fact that like you were sad and a little bit depressed, suddenly we worry that the conversation is going to take a suicidal turn. Well, all right. So when my mom and I had a three hour conversation, she was stating that she was worried and all of this stuff. And I said, well, just to put it bluntly, mom, there's a question you want to ask me, and I know there is. Ask it to me. Hmm. And she, she did. She said, um, are you, is there any concern of you hurting yourself? Hmm. And my response was, there is nothing in the world that could ever bring me to do something like that to myself because of what you said. I love my family, and I'm so close to my family, 
and it would ruin all of their lives. Sure. And yeah. I don't care how bad I ever got, I'm not gonna ruin their lives. Right. And I, and I, I didn't want to do that anyways. Right. It's and that's, like, that, you know. that's, I think, the proper follow-up. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is like, that yeah I, I wasn't going to do that. I think what we don't understand enough about is that, you know, mental health is a very serious thing. And there are very, very uh, diverging pathways through which people suffer. Mm-hmm. And depression and suicide tendencies aren't necessarily correlated. No. They're not necessarily I also uncoordinated. Think, I also think there's, like, degrees of hurting yourself. So, like, you know, everybody... Everybody saw the, like the Michelle episode mm-hmm. and things like that. Like after Michelle recovered, like there was a time where like she was like really sad and was like cutting herself. Right, right. Not yeah. that not that she's planning on killing herself. Sure. But but there's like yeah. uh, uh you know there's degrees of 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 pain relievement or or however it is that uh, we're yeah, looking I mean, at. Yeah, you know, we're know? we're a complex set of systems, right. and we're kind of slaves to those yeah. to those systems and to our brain at the end of the day. And it's like, you know, I don't know a ton about this stuff. I have right. a little bit of experience, obviously, growing up with a mother who is bipolar, a drug addict, schizophrenic. You know, you see the way that this type of stuff is handled. And largely the way she was treated was through abuse, through being put into the mental ward, through being heavily medicated. There's really no education platform around that. And when you talk about the varying degrees of, like, cutting and things like that, it's like so much of this is due to, like, chemical imbalances, hormonal imbalances, like things that we don't have a very firm grasp on yet. Yeah. We just know anecdotally mm. something's not right. Right. And it's hard, man. I, I don't know what that's like personally, but it's like imagine being sick and like going to a bunch of doctors and them just saying like, I don't know. Right. You yeah. Know? Essentially. Um, so after I get home, yeah, I spend two weeks putting away some serious hours in the bed. 17 hours a day sleeping um and i could have put down more if i would have tried hard but you know it was the energy was non-existent walking around the block was a task in itself watching more than five minutes of a poker training video which i was trying to do because i knew that i was coming back for the world series Mm. i was going to do everything within my ability to get in the mindset that I was ready for this right and um so you know I spent a lot of time sleeping and uh you know I spoke with somebody and he helped a lot um you know the main thing that I was shown is and these are things we do know like you gotta exercise you gotta get out and socialize you can't shut yourself off and Everyone's got something in the back of their mind that they don't want anyone to know about. And you just got to talk about it. If you can do it, your life changes. And what was that for you? How sad I was. I didn't want to, I mean, it was evident that that was the case, but I think that the way that our society frames depression at the moment and I really hope this changes, uh, is a depressed man is a weak man and he's a demasculated man. And it's just a horrible message to be sending to people because quite frankly, I was spending, you know, all of that time sleeping and then I would go out and like watch a basketball game with my dad and for two weeks straight, I 
would be laying on the couch and I would just start crying. And, you know, that's not easy to admit. Like, right. I'm a grown man. Sure. And my, my dad or my mom would say, what's wrong? And I would quite literally just tell them, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. And that's terrifying. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that, like, we put these stigmas on certain feelings, emotions, actions, or, like, uh, I guess, like, caricatures that we're supposed to live out in real life. If, if we just distill things down to, like, how children behave. Because in, in the simplest sense, like, children are clean slates. Man, they will tell you what they are thinking all the time. Right. And that, that's, that's kind of, like... <laughs> That's kind of like the, the strange thing about how societal norms work. It's like, you know, if you actually just look at children, they are born into the world as a, a bare slate and their environment is going to shape a lot of like who they become and, and what they believe. But there is no uh, resistance to demonstrating emotions, to, uh, you know, being open and transparent. Uh, even Even the way that they lie is in such a way that it's, they know it, they're getting caught. Right. It's like truthful <laughs> dishonesty, if yeah. that makes sense. Like they're just so poor at it because they have no experience at it. And their natural default setting is to just tell the truth. Yeah. They don't want to lie. Right. They know they're going to get in trouble telling the truth. So they're just, they just tell this little lie that they know is going to get them caught. Right. And, and you know, that's not to say that all children are happy, but it, it is kind of much more of their default setting. And it's crazy that we like, you know, we categorically celebrate the stoic man who has turned off all of these systems in his brain and has just become this, you know, strategic robot that implements day in and day out. Yeah. So I tried to become that mm -hmm. a year and a half ago. I got really big in stoicism. Like I was, I was attempting, maybe it was two years ago. I probably worked on it for about a year. And while that probably does work great for some people, that's not for me. What, what does that mean? What is, what is... Well, so, all right, so I, I can clarify yeah, a little yeah, bit. To, to be fair, Stoicism is like a, a, a branch of philosophy, and it, it, it's not the same as like what I was framing as being Stoic. Yeah. You know, the idea of being Stoic is just being stripped away of, of or it's devoid of all emotion. Right, right. We, we talk about that in poker. Like, yeah, like effectively, you just want to always be a, rat, a rational actor. And that's kind of the philosophy behind Stoicism, but it's not through suppression. It's through acknowledgement. Right. Um, so largely like you're acknowledging your emotions, you're acknowledging your surroundings, you're acknowledging your environment and you are distilling all of that down into. So I, I missed that part of <laughs> the book. Sure. And that it really led me down this path. Well, and, and <laughs> it and had that, a big part. I, I think that's quite fair, too, because I think that, uh, again, if you look at like the societal pressures of what defines a manly man or whatever the case may be, uh, yeah. and you pluck that word stoic out of it. Because it is certainly a descriptor of what you would consider to be like, you know, the ideal profile. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to misunderstand or misrepresent what, what that actually means. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I would love for the, like the public pressure or the societal pressure of, you know, things used to be one way in the 1940s. We're not living there anymore. And a shift, I mean, Obviously, a shift has happened in 80 years. Mm. I think it has a long, long, long ways to go until we get to this enlightened point as human beings of being able to speak about how we feel all of the time. Yeah. And it is very difficult, and it's not going to happen completely ever because we're human beings. Sure. But 
I don't think that there should be such a negative connotation towards, like me saying the things I've said in the past 20 minutes, terrified for people to see this, but. Does it's it, easy for me to say. Yeah, doesn't yeah. mean that I'm not. Yeah, sure. But it's a message that I think is so important that, you know, I'm happy to say it as well. Yeah. So uh, how did how did your parents, like, so, you know, just to to, to get, like, a frame of, like, the, the, the steps. Yeah. So you're in Michigan. Now you're sleeping 17 hours a day. Yeah. You're crying at the basketball games. Now what? So I started playing, I started getting a little better. You know, I went and talked to somebody, a professional, uh, figured it was time for that. And he helped a ton. Oh, wait, he, a professional in what? Uh, therapist, psychologist. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah. One yeah. of the two, maybe they're considered the same thing. I'm not sure. No, I understand. Yeah. Um, spoke to him and, you know, he just gave me a good rubric of, you know, I, I walked into his room and within 10 minutes, he was like, okay, we need to develop a plan because you are set. And I was like, man, you're good. <laughs> how did that, how did that, uh, I called him and I made an appointment. Okay. But how, so you just, you just, how, like you just Googled him or like, how did you go about the steps of like getting into, into that? Okay. Um, so my mom had a friend that is a psychologist and uh it's typically not a good idea to see somebody that you know mm -hmm. um so my mom's friend contacted another person got their information gave it to me i contacted them right, that makes sense. so yeah. i mean it's it's a little bit of a process but it's the thing is it's a daunting process when you're in the state of mind that i was in right that's kind of what i was like alluding it, to oh like how God. did you get to the point. Yeah. My mom did it. Okay. My mom did all oh, so much. And that's like having a support system. Mm -hmm. I can't speak highly enough. Like I, man. So your mom knew you were sad. Oh. Said she, yeah. you, you two had a conversation. I, we had a conversation like a month before I left here. And that's what we talked about a little bit. When she sees me, uh, when she walks in the front door getting back from Mexico, I mean, she wouldn't let me go for so like, you know, and the first thing she said is just like, I'm so happy you're here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, those two weeks happen, I start talking to somebody, we develop a plan of how I'm going to start making steps to get better. Those included, I need to make dates with friends. Uh, I got some girlfriends back home still, girls that are friends, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I heard how you guys do it. I saw, I saw the you Instagram. I saw. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. trying to use the DR, man. Yeah, you know what? I'll sit middle. I don't even care. <laughs> uh, so it's making plans with friends. It is spending time with your family. I was bringing my nephew to soccer practice. I have two nieces. One of them's three. She is crazy. Uh, the good kind. The other one is eight. And I just spent time with them. I spent time with my three sisters. I spent time with my mom and dad a lot. Um, I started working out. I joined a CrossFit gym. Uh, and I'm going to do the same thing out here for the purpose of the community aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Being involved in a community is right. vital. Sure. 
Uh, I mean, that was pretty much it. And then I started getting back into playing poker. After about a week or two, I was driving down to Chicago. I got the phone call from my mom. Um, she couldn't even speak. She was so distraught. And I knew immediately that Dugan had died. Uh, Dugan being your dog. Yeah. Dugan. For those that yes. don't know. Doogie. Yeah. Uh, he's in some past vlogs, <laughs> chewing people's feet. <laughs> uh, you know, great dog. And, you know, that was the longest hour drive home I've ever had in my life. I turned around and it sucked. Um, so that reverted me back for about a week, I would say, of maybe two weeks. I don't think it was quite two weeks, but... Did it revert you back, though, or were you like just in a morning phase? Because I think there's a big difference between going back to sleeping 17 yeah, hours. Yeah, I, I think that's very valid. I, I didn't go back to sleeping 17 hours. I was triggered super easy. Mm. I mean, you know, all of his stuff is everywhere. I had to pick up his dog bowl. I had to put it away. Yeah. I had to take the steps off the end of the bed because dude's got short, low stubs. He couldn't jump on the bed. We built him steps. Um, you know, having to put all this stuff away was like, it was crushing. And so it was about a week of mourning, but I was still uh, socializing, going and seeing family, working out the best I could. I was doing yoga, um, things like that. And I was starting to feel a lot better. I started playing poker probably like two-ish times a week. And I would say around May, 5th to May 10th, I could tell that I was starting, that I was fast-tracking the process of getting better very fast. And the goal was obviously to be out here by June 1st or May 30, whatever, the big 50. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to be out here because I was doing everything within my power to make sure that that happened. The World Series is the World Series and I couldn't miss it. So uh, I, I'm not joking when I say I am happier right now than I've ever been in the past five or six years. And it feels amazing to say that. You're back out here now. Obviously, you're in a much better place. You're happy. That's great. We're all happy for you. Mm -hmm. um, you're taking a step back from the business side of things. Yeah. Uh, again, I personally uh, think we're in agreement that, like, you know, this shit's hard. We all were just three poker players who yeah. decided to start a business. And we were in three very, very, very different positions yeah. whenever that came to be. I was broke as shit. Right. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to start anything. Uh, and startups particularly just have a tremendously high failure rate. So, yeah. you know, I think over the course of three and a half years, I can at least speak to the, to the growing pains of me personally, like taking on a lot of different roles, wearing a lot of different hats, learning as much about the back end of business side of things as possible. And I was kind of free to do that because I was financially free. Uh, I, I didn't need to be putting in 2000 hours at the table every year. So I was able to take a lot of time away from poker to develop this kind of stuff. And, you know, it was my baby to, to kind of birth. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I guess speak a little bit about like what your process was through all that and like how you end up taking away. Yeah. So, I think that all of the stuff that you said is a perfect descriptor of what you were able to do and why this was your baby. 
um, you were and still are playing the biggest games in America. And what that allows for is you not having to worry about making money today, making money tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. When we first started this, I was trying to figure out how to pay rent that next month. Right. And for a while, I couldn't do it. And I had to get help doing it. So, you know, learning about business is the last thing on my mind. Sure. The first thing on my mind is how do I make 200 bucks today? Mm. And that is, like, just think about the separation of where two people are when they're trying to start a business like this. We're not even on the same spectrum. Right. And you're somewhere in the middle. Right. And I think that that had a lot of, what it ended up doing is down the road when you got so far ahead in the business aspect and, uh, you know, it was hard to catch up. Mm -hmm. And um, also... You know, I mean, it moved fast, right? Like we were a six-figure <laughs> company within a year. We were a half a million dollar company within two. Move fast as hell. So it's like we, we have a lot of responsibilities pretty quickly. And most Yo, of it- Don't be telling people the numbers out here. Yo, cut that shit out, bro. What the fuck? Most of it's, uh, most of it's over. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a $10 million company. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's a startup. Every yeah, single penny if goes you guys, right back in. If you guys want to buy. Uh, yeah, and so that million. was another thing. It was, you know, I know we're making this money. Mm -hmm. And we're not profiting a lot, uh, but we're profiting at the at year's end. Well, I'm broke, and quite frankly, like I would like some of the money. Sure. But I understand that that isn't the agreement we made at the beginning. Right. The money goes back into the business. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, I need the money. You don't need the money. Right. You might need some. I would money. like the money. <laughs> there we go. I, I, that's I, like, yeah, that's I, didn't need, I didn't that, need the money. That's, the perfect, like the, money. that's yeah. the perfect descriptor. Yeah. Yeah. So some years it was as I just described, and others it was, you know, I have I've been fine a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. And But you're behind now. Or or like those junctures. As far as like the, the business acumen uh, and, and absolutely. your role development. Financially I haven't caught up, but I'm, I'm doing fine, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm way behind in the business part. Right, right, right. And so now I need to stop trying to make more money and catch up in the business. Mm -hmm. And it's just like back and forth, back and forth. And it became very stressful. And one of the big things too that, you know, I could have gotten better at, I really struggled with, and it still gives me anxiety to this day, is you two are great at speaking in front of 20 people. Matt Hunt, phenomenal. I'm, give me somebody one-on-one, -on -one, I can answer any question they have. Sure. Getting in front of a group of 20 people, quite frankly, it's difficult for me. Yeah, and I think that speaks to like a lot of uh, the unfair expectations that come when three people just like have this harebrained idea of like, let's start a business. Mm -hmm. The assumption that like all three people are capable of fulfilling the roles necessary to actually facilitate this business to to uh, to the end is pretty improbable. You know, it's just like we just trust the fact that like we're intelligent people and we uh, we have this passion towards a game that also lends itself to business. And what happens is, uh, I most definitely want to speak about this, but prior to solve for why, you know, we were pretty good friends. You lived on the East Coast, though. You and I spent every day together. We went to the gym, we played softball, we had very long talks all the time, and 
I don't want to blame the business for 100% of that, but it played a big factor in the distance that was created between friends. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 not and even necessarily, it sucks. Yeah, not even necessarily because there was strife between us in the company, but just because I don't, like this is a lot on me now where it's like, I don't have time for anything. I know. You know, it's just like, I, <laughs> I, I look at the last, what, I can't remember the last time I called my best friend. And it's like, we used to talk literally every single day. I know. There are times that he calls and like, I just can't answer. I literally physically can't answer. And you're so busy that you can't make time for the social things that you used to be able to do. And I'm busy for a different reason. Mm. It's because I'm struggling to catch up and get my stuff done. But like I said, my brain wasn't, it didn't work the way right, right, right. it's supposed to work. Yeah. Like it, it took me four hours to complete 15 minute tasks. Right. And I, I wish I could explain that to people better, but like, it's just, it's like, you know, the answer to something it's right in front of you and you can't write it down. It's a crazy thing. And it's a really tough thing to explain, but that's what was happening to me. And, uh, it was consuming a lot of my time mm -hmm. when now I'm quite confident that I could go upstairs and make a show your work video in an hour and a half tops. So, right. so how much of like this happiness that uh, you've kind of, you know, worked towards now and you've gotten yourself to a, a level playing field, if you will, uh, as far as like uh, mental acuity goes, how much of that do you think is attributed to you just being able to sit back and put all of your focus and emphasis on the one thing that you're most passionate about, which is poker. I think it has a lot to do with it. Um, I did not like doing the day-to-day -day things here because I was struggling so hard to mm -hmm. do them. And you're uh, also not getting a check. Yeah, I got, I, I didn't get paid for, oh, I didn't get paid. Uh, <laughs> Soon, <laughs> one of these days. It's a startup, man. That's yeah. how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of it does have to do with not uh, being here and not keeping up pace with you guys. Mm. Because that simply is what was happening. And it sucks for me to say, but it's the truth. Sure. Uh, that has made me much happier. Um, the, a, a big one is the opportunity to rekindle these friendships. Because quite frankly, they were on a downward spiral. Oh, there's a huge difference between like vlog one and whatever the end of it all may have been, right? Like, I don't even want to watch. Yeah. Well, also there just like weren't business, day-to-day -day business metrics getting in the way where yeah. expectations are really, really high and when responsibilities weren't met, you can't help but feel like disappointment or resentment or... 100%. And that was happening. Mm -hmm. And we weren't speaking about it on camera. And well, now we are, I guess. Um, I think it's fine to talk about it on camera, to absolutely. be quite honest. But it was like, there was no non-contrived way of doing it. Oh, nobody wanted to do it. Right. Like, what because were we gonna do? it was going to end up with me yelling at you, you yelling at him, and, and, <laughs> and him just saying, I don't know, you were going to say- I'm going back home. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. Fuck this shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I think that that's another great thing that's happened over these two months is I think all three of us, um, I'll speak for all three of us, but I don't know. Uh, we've taken a step back and 
I hope you guys realize this as well, but like for me, I want to be friends more than I want to be anything else. Yeah. yeah and the only way that I feel like that can happen is if I take a step back from the content development, um, still got my little small taste in the financial, I hope you guys kill it, man. I hope you just blow <laughs> right on up. So sure. I got a little piece. I have nothing but great things to say about Saltfly. Obviously, I love this place. Uh, some great memories here, guys, man, I tell you what. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just taking a step back and I think it's best for everybody. So what's, what's the short term look like? Obviously, your big emphasis is on your poker career now. It's the WSOP. Mm-hmm. Got a huge schedule, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, you know, what's your summer package look like? What's the follow-up to this, uh, especially now since you're going to be kind of like doing this juggling act of, of, of making sure you're mentally in a good place as well as like you know, pursuing a game of failure? So I made it a point to not come back until I had a plan set in place to just like, after the World Series is over, a lot of downtime. Uh, But I will not be having that because I've set up a schedule every single day of what I'll be doing. And so first, World Series, 31 events are on the schedule. Um, Hopefully I don't have to re-enter any, but probably will. Been min-cashing my ass off so far. Okay. And if I decide to like sell for a 3K or sell for a five, that doesn't include the main two. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all just 1600s and under. Ends up being a little over $55,000 in buy-ins, which is absurd that they have that much stuff on the schedule now. My first package that I ever sold was 27 events and I was playing 5Ks. And it was only, Same. It was only like 48,000 worth of, Absolutely. and that included the main. Same, it was under 50K. Yeah. And I mean, I went 0 for 24 for less than 50K. Yeah. It was a great summer. Uh, <laughs> now it's 55K in events. There's gonna be 31 of them, uh, not including the main. After that, because our day-to-day used to be, we would go to the gym, we would come here, we would work on what we had to work on, and then we would kind of do our own thing starting around five o'clock at night. Um, mine is going to be, I've joined a CrossFit gym, uh, going to take morning classes. I'm going to be doing one-on-one coaching. I know that is where I strive when it comes to coaching. So if you're interested, uh, that's my plug. Uh, and I'm going to try to do one every day. I plan to play softball on Tuesday nights. I am getting involved in some intramural leagues. I have a little brother in the big brother, big sister system. Mm-hmm. Um, and play tennis with Conrad. Everyone knows Conrad now. He's, sure. he's getting on camera. Yeah. So I, ho- I would hope to do that once you a got week. A, you got a girlfriend or? Uh, you fucking? So I don't want to say her name because then the other one's going to find out. Mm. So you, you want to DR? <laughs> I mean, might as well have. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, this is going to be a running joke, isn't it? <laughs> you are, you're great at making me lose my train of thought. All right. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, I just, the long-term plan is to fall ass backwards into a shit ton of money, right? Sure. Yeah. And I don't think that's how it works, but. No, you'd be shocked, man. You win in a tournament, it's just like, 
it's crazy the way that that cascade yeah, effect takes place. Well, I've done that one before, though. Sure. sure. <laughs> no, I have a few guys that uh, who are very intelligent businessmen who I've been fortunate to build really good relationships through the guys that I've met at Salt for Watt. Mm. I mean, we've had how many people come through? It's like 200. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, and just like it, really bright people, too. Like, oh, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, my network is bananas. Mm in comparison to what it was sure. before this started. And it's a bunch of guys I still talk to quite regularly. I think I talked to three former attendees just today. Yeah. And they're successful business guys that basically they've said to me, hey, if you ever need anything, I can help you. And I'm gonna explore that a little bit after the series. I don't anticipate I ever give up playing poker full time, but you know, this game is, it's a fickle beast, and it can weigh on you. Like, I mean, we all know how right. crazy this game can be. Sure. Um, I might be interested in doing something else. Doing some adult shit. Yeah, I'm, I've been strongly considering. Sure. Dad. Yeah, well, you just got to keep fucking. <laughs> 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 all right, well, on that note. Uh, <laughs> you guys got anything else that you would like to ask? Um, you want a boy or girl? Uh, you know, I'll mix it up. Mix it up? Oh, okay. Boy <laughs> and girl. All right, well, it's a pleasure for you to join us, man. This is man, great. Yeah, it was, this is something that I've wanted to do for a while um, just because, you know, it's been an interesting two months. Sure. I haven't been around. People have been asking me what's going on. Uh, I don't know what to say exactly. I don't want to lie to them, but if I tell them the truth, it's a long ordeal. And, you know, I mean, I was in Michigan and, uh, you know, I, I was mean, no, handling some shit. Yeah, exactly. You were walking no. down the street and they asked you where Chris K was. That's what happened. I do. I got a lot of messages about Chris K. <laughs> I got a lot of messages about Chris I've K. I've been getting blown up about Chris K. I literally K. just don't respond. I just keep telling them that he died in the one, two streets That's, from getting nit rolled. No, Nobody that, believes me. I know. It, I thought he, I've been telling people he died too. I, I was he, there at the burial. I thought he died. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, anybody that has any questions that they want to ask, um, you can do it in the comments below here. You feel free to hit me up, email wise. Hit up Chris uh, K. You can hit up Chris <laughs> K. You might not get a response. Jesus. He, All right. Well. He gone. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, like, if anybody wants to speak about. Uh, depression, that shit is real. Uh, it's something that I'm 32 years old and I've never went through it before in my life. And it, it, it snuck up on me out of nowhere. Sure. You know, there were several factors, but it's, uh, it, it's scary. And so if anybody wants to talk about that, get a hold of me, Twitter, Instagram, email, JYMaster11 for all of them. Uh, post in the comments here. Certainly. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, good. Just yeah. anything. And I'm sure that yeah. people will definitely appreciate that. There's probably yeah, a lot I mean, of people. I, like mean, if I you would be surprised at how many people reach out, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think that, I hope a lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, that shit is tough, man. Yeah. It, it's, it's a weird thing when you know something's wrong and you can't, you don't know what that thing is. Yeah. It was weird because at the first week or the second week, I was speaking with my mom and I was like, I know this is going to go away. 
but this does not feel like it is ever going to go away. Hmm. But logically, I still had a little bit part of that part of my brain left. Sure. Whereas like, I know this is gonna go away. I don't know how to make it go yeah. away. I don't know what to do to make it go away, but it's supposed to. And just kind of keeping that in the back of my mind was very helpful. Yeah. This is awesome, man. I'm glad you stopped. It was a good talk. Yeah, I'm really happy that we did this. Do it. Do take, it, Chen. Uh, I, can't, I can't be hyped because this is a very serious topic, so I'm going to pay it the respect it deserves and cut the podcast. <laughs>